Thank you, praise team, for uh, leading us into the Lord's presence with your singing and your spirits. Uh, it's wonderful to look up and see people who just truly are praising the Lord and serving Him. Well, it's a uh, Sunday where Pastor Brian's not here. He's uh, in Guatemala, he and Ellen, and they're down there ministering uh, to the folks there. And uh, appreciated uh, your Julie, your prayer for them earlier. Um, so I'd like to just share with you some uh, verses and some thoughts with regard to uh, how we sometimes view ourselves and sometimes how those views can influence uh, what we do in ministry and other things. Uh, there's times when it seems like uh, people around us... Uh, in school, in the workplace, in our friendships, uh, where we see other people as being better than us or above us. Uh, sometimes we look at those things and we, we may get frustrated or irritated uh, with some of those things. Uh, sometimes we see people as uh, being more popular, richer, maybe a better teacher or Bible study leader realistically thinking to ourselves that we're not nearly as good as that other person, that I don't measure up to that other person. And we often feel inadequate, uh, often feel like, what, what can I do? What can I really accomplish? What can I really do? Or uh, how can I uh, do anything for the Lord? You know, one of the things that um, I often hear from people is that um, when they talk about or think about their church pastor, they kind of have him, and I'm not talking about me, I'm talking about Pastor Brian now. Uh, but, but oftentimes, you know, they will put that pastor on a pedestal and they'll kind of look at that pastor in, in a way that um, is really unrealistic. They'll think, well, they have it all together. They don't ever uh, struggle with anything. They don't ever have problem. When it comes to spiritual things, man, they, they know the whole Bible inside and out. They know everything that there is. And uh, oftentimes these same pastors are struggling with issues that you don't even have a clue about. Sometimes those pastors are, are like you, and they're looking at other pastors and saying, boy, I wish I could preach like that. Or I wish I, I wish I could write a book like that person did. Or I wish, I wish I really knew as much as... It, it, they're like all the rest of us. And realistically struggle and have issues just like you and me. That's our human nature. That's who we are as people. We're not perfect. None of us are. And, and, we, and we all make mistakes. And we all say and do things that we regret. And there are times when we just don't think that we belong doing anything for the Lord. The problem, or the sometimes maybe the opposite uh, thing that can happen, is when we get so full of ourselves that we think that we're better than or we're above everybody else. That creates huge problems uh, in, in the church, in our personal lives, where where we have interactions with people and we think, well, 
you know, I'm smarter than that person, or they don't know what they're talking about, or, man, that person's really messed up. And, and when you start to have that superior feeling and thoughts about other people, you're really deceiving yourself, and you're really setting yourself up for some clashes and some negative things that can come into your life. We have to guard against these things, because that's Satan whispering in our ear and directing us in directions that he would like to go, have us go, but they're not the direction that the Lord would have us to go. I, I uh, think about um, verse from Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. You see what that's talking about is that when we examine ourselves, when we look at ourselves, we shouldn't look at other people, but rather we should be looking at ourselves. And where is my mind and, and where am I in connection with the Lord? It, it does, is the Lord have me where He wants me? Is the Lord using me in a way that, that is honoring and pleasing to Him? A, am I serving my Lord in a way that he desires that I would do. It's when I start to put myself out in front of other people or hold myself back out of fear and, and trembling and I, I don't think I measure up, that we're not able to accomplish those things that God has called us to do. Most of you don't know this about me, but uh, I have my whole life has struggled, have struggled with uh, issues and problems in terms of self-image. I uh, have always considered myself, this is not advancing, oh, there we go. Um, I've always considered myself dumb. I struggled in school when I was young. I had a, a father who reinforced how dumb I was. Um, I, 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 have, I still battle that uh, on a daily basis. I will be in a situation where uh, I'm, I'm talking or doing something and, and all of a sudden somebody will say something and what I hear from that person is, you're too stupid to figure this out, just do it my way. And, and that's in my brain and I can't get that out. And the problem that that creates for me is then I usually become angry or upset with that person for saying that and they haven't said it, they haven't thought it, they haven't, it's me, it's in my head. And so, so when you allow your, your brain to take you in a direction that's negative or not good, it can lead you down a path that can be very dangerous for you and, and for other people as well and in your relationships. So today I want to I, I talk about, as you can see what I put up there, I want to talk about Peter and his successes and failures. And so we're going to go through a number of verses here today, um, but I want you to see uh, some of the things that happens with this uh, man who was an apostle. He was one of Jesus' disciples. He walked alongside of him. He, he learned from him. He listened to him. And he has his ups and he has his downs. He has his steps forward and his steps back. And you know what? That's true of most of us as well, is it not? And so... If you would turn to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 13 to 17. If you're looking at the chair Bible in front of you, it's page 977. And as you're getting ready to do that, let me just lead us to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you have uh, created us in your image. 
and that you have asked us to worship and praise and celebrate you, a worthy God, a God who is above all things. And I'm grateful that you, Jesus, came into this world and you lived a perfect life and that you sacrificed your life for us. And so, Lord, as we look at Peter and we see his goods and his bads, we're also mindful, Lord, that he is a human, just like us. And you have selected him, just like you have probably selected us to do things for your glory and your majesty. So help us, Lord, to approach these things with the right attitude and the right spirit as we look upon your word here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in chapter 16, and let me just preface this by saying, uh, what really prompted this for me is on our Tuesday morning Bible study, we were covering these verses. Those of you who were there, yeah, right, I remember that. Okay, well, one of the things that, that really jumps off the page at me as I read that is like, how do you go from here to down here in just a few verses? But that's what happens here with Peter. And then I was thinking, as I was thinking through that on Tuesday and, and kind of getting ready for this today, I was thinking to myself, yeah, you do the same thing. There's times when you do the exact same thing. You're thinking wonderful, great thoughts, and you're praising the Lord, and then over here you're like, oh man, this is, that's who we are, right? That's who we are as people. So uh, here's uh, the verses uh, that we're going to look at. So um, it helps if I turn to the right place. Okay, here we go. Uh, now, when Jesus came into, the, uh, in, came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So what do we have taking place here? Okay, if you can, yeah, I've told you guys before, I like a, kind of a visual, right? So, so the way I visualize this is Jesus is walking along and he's looking around and there's these crowds of people around. Right, And maybe, maybe they had just talked to, to some of those people. Maybe he had preached some of his messages. Maybe he had shared some thoughts with them. And now he's just with his, kind of, his closest, his disciples, and they're walking along the road. And he, and he looks out and he sees this crowd of people and he says, Hey, you guys. I always like to put it in my phrases. Okay. Hey, you guys. Who are, who are they saying that I am? When I look at those people, who, who do they say that I am? And, and they said, well, I, they're all saying that they think you're one of the prophets of old and that you've come back to life as one of the prophets. And he says, and this is the most important, crucial questions that we will ever ask or be asked of us. He says, but what about you? Do you see the difference here? There's, there's a world of difference between who do they, who do they say I am, but who do you say I am? Do you see the difference? Now it's very personal. Now it's, 
you and me, who are you saying that I am? And you and I, folks, have to make that, that answer to that question ourselves. We all are asked that same question. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter gives the ultimate perfect answer, right? He says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the promised one. You're the one who all of those Old Testament prophets talked about. You are the one. And it's, it's amazing because Peter's answer is such. He says, you're the Christ and Jesus says, you got that answer, Peter, from the Father. Right? He's not saying, Peter, you're so smart, you're so awesome. He's saying, Peter, blessed are you. Because that was not revealed to you from yourself, but the Father in heaven has affirmed to you who I am. It's not enough for us to say that Jesus is the Son of God. It starts with, first of all, God saying, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And from there, and we have that affirmation of who Jesus really is, then it's important for us to proclaim, yes, He is the Christ, He is the Messiah. Do you see the difference of what I'm talking about there? If God had not said it, if He wasn't God, if He wasn't who He said He was, then we're just saying something that we read. But when we recognize and realize that that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, He is the promised one, He is God, the Son, that changes our whole trajectory, our whole mindset, our whole method of thinking. He is God. And we need to worship and celebrate that God. It's really... Uh, it's really an awesome exchange and it's so easy to kind of, you hear me say this all the time, I know, but but this is the way I read Scripture. It's easy for us sometimes to just read over some passages of Scripture. But this is a crucial piece of Scripture because Peter, led by God, is saying, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And Jesus affirms that. And what we're hearing there is that Jesus is God. And that we need to worship Him and celebrate Him. So that's really cool, right? I mean, Peter's right on the money here. Peter's, Peter nailed it. Oh, let's keep going a little bit. Let's look down at verse 21. And we don't know exactly how much time has gone in between here, but it would appear, it's pretty close in time from this verse, first little bit here, it says, From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. You see, you kind of get a sense here that Jesus felt from Peter's response and that response represented the other apostles and 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 you kind of get a sense here that that Peter uh, got it and Jesus is pleased that he got it and he's trying to to uh, work with his disciples to recognize that uh, uh, 
he is going to have this happen to him. He is going to be crucified. Look at verse 22. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Wow. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, here's, here's, here's Peter, right? A regular guy who just a little while before that said, You're Christ, you're the Messiah. Essentially, you're God, right? You're worth adoration and glory and praise to, Oh, Jesus, you can't say that stuff. Far be it. You're, that's not going to happen, right? Do you, do you see that there? And you see the significance of it. Because on the one side, he's saying you're the Christ. On the other side, he's saying, no, you, that's not going to happen because my vision of what you're gonna, what's going to happen is you're going to become a king and you're going to reign and, and, and I'm going to be your right-hand man and we're going we're to take over this world. And so Peter goes from here to... But he turned and said to Peter, Jesus just listened to that, and he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Do, do you see the conflict? Do you see the, the, the difference here? On the one hand, you're the Messiah. On the other hand, you're not going to have that happen to you. On the one side, Jesus says, good job, you got that from God, the Father. And on the other side, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. That's, that, that's not this. You're not right in what you're saying. Do you see that, do you see that, con, that, that difference there? The issue that's being dealt with there. And I, I read these verses and I think, what's going through Peter's mind? Like, why would he feel like he can pull God aside and rebuke him? Because that's what it says, right? It says he pulled him aside and rebuked him. The person that he just said was God. Do you ever rebuke God? There are times when we say, God, you're wrong. Why would you allow that to happen? That's, that's terrible, God. In essence, we're doing the same thing that Peter did. We're questioning God. We're questioning His almighty knowledge and where He is trying to go and lead things. Well, let's look uh, at, we're going to stay in Matthew. We're going to move to Matthew 26. In Matthew 26, uh, verse 69, and we're on page 990 here. Helps if I find the right one. There we go. All right, so this is uh, a time when Peter... Jesus has been arrested now, and Peter is in the courtyard, and he's there with a bunch of servant people, 
and they're outside and they're having probably just general conversation. They may have even been talking about, hey, did you see that guy get arrested? You know, that kind of a conversation. Verse 69, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. A servant girl, right? Uh, You were with that guy, right? But he denied it before them all saying, I do not know what you mean. He's denying that he even knows Jesus at this point. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. You see the strength now of his denial of knowing Jesus? He goes from, no, I wasn't with him. I don't even know that guy. After a little while, the bystanders came up to, and Peter, I'm sorry, came up and said to Peter, certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. In other words, he was talking like a youper, right? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. No, he was talking like, you know, one, one of the disciples. Look at verse 74. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I, don't not, I do not know the man. Huh. And immediately the rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went away and wept bitterly. Again, here's the guy who earlier and said, you're Messiah, you're God, you're worthy of our worship, to, I don't even know that guy. What are you talking about? And then, when he remembers that Jesus had told him it would happen, he wept bitterly. Can you imagine the agony in his heart at that point? Like, why did I just do that? This is crazy. I don't understand myself. And I I can't imagine you and I today being confronted by somebody saying, Hey, aren't you a don't you go to church? Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? "Ah, I just go to church because I, you know, it's a place to go, you know, Sunday morning. Right? That's what he's doing here. I might be from the same area, but I don't know that guy. The most important, crucial question that we'll ever be asked in our lives is, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he would not admit it. And you and I will be asked that question. And there's times when I'm asked the question about Jesus and my relationship with him. You will be as well. And we're supposed to be ready with an answer. If you turn over with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is actually one of my, probably one of my very favorite uh, books in the Bible because 
you see regular people doing some ministry. So that's on page 1081 if you're looking in your chair Bible there. And I'm going to read uh, some selected verses here for you, and then we'll have a brief conversation about it. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided, uh, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So uh, all, all the nations around that were able to come there, was all these people were around. Well, just like today, all of those nations, all of those people talked with a different language, right? They didn't all speak the same, same language. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. You see, what, you, you, you've all heard this before, you've all seen this, but you, you, you see what's happening here is all of a sudden, uh, these apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. And after they're filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, they, they've been now given the ability to speak in a language so that other people could understand, even if they were speaking a different language. In other words, they, they didn't need an interpreter. Pastor Brian's down there in Guatemala, and he's got an interpreter helping him to share with these pastors that he's ministering to down there because he doesn't speak their language. They didn't need it. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what this looks like. I read these verses, and it's like, wow that must have been something to to be there and and to all of a sudden hear these guys standing up in the front and they're speaking and i understand everything they're saying but it's in my language that's not the language they usually speak skip down to verse 13 But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. In other words, they're drunk. By the way, when I read that verse, it's like, because they're drunk, I can understand them and what they're saying. When I I read that one, I kind of like, wait a second. I don't get get that. (laughs) Uh, It's just, it's it's mind-boggling to me. Again, I like to, to work through these things and kind of figure out what's happening. And I, that was, that's one I just don't quite get. But look at this. Verse 14. But Peter, standing with eleven, eleven, lift up, lift up his voice and address them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And then he goes on and and talks about that. Um, Skip down to now verse 37. I'm trying to get to a point here, so I'm sorry for skipping over a lot of verses. But skip down to verse 37. Now, when they, these people that were listening to Peter, and Peter had gotten up and he's, and he's telling them all about Jesus Christ, he's telling them about all of the, the things that had, had been going on. 
when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Do you grasp what's happened here? They're hearing what Peter is telling them, and the other apostles are probably filling in some things, and are, they're having this conversation, and it's be, before thousands of people. And they're having this conversation, and they're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Messiah. They're telling them He is the Savior. He was raised back to life after He was crucified. He was buried. He was dead. He was in the grave. He's been raised back to life again. He ascended into heaven. He's still alive. That's what they're telling Him, telling them. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, when you and I recognize that we also are sinners, and we repented, repent means that I turn away from that way of life, and I go a different direction, I go toward Jesus Christ. When you repent, you give up your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells within each and every one of us who have trusted Christ as our Savior. That Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to be able to read God's Word and understand it. The Holy Spirit dwelling in us is the one who reveals the truth to us. It's not because I've got it all worked out because I'm so awesome, but because we have an awesome God who sends His Holy Spirit to live in us and to allow us to understand His Word. As he goes on, he says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Why? Because Peter was proclaiming who Jesus is and what he had done for them when he died upon that cross and took their sins. And and about 3,000 were added to their number. So, So Peter's had this great up, and then he had a couple of really bad downs, and now he's really back up there again, speaking to thousands, leading... 3,000 or more to salvation through God's Word. I wish that was the end. But guess what? Let's look at one more thing. Turn with me to Galatians. uh, We're in Galatians chapter 2, looking at verses 11 to 14. That's page uh, 1155 in the chair Bible. Galatians 2.11. This is Paul uh, writing to the Galatians. And he says, But when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, 
so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, Peter, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Do you see what's happening here? So Peter had this great experience, this great ministry in, in Acts, in, or in uh, uh, Matthew, and uh, he was doing, I'm sorry, Acts. I was right the first time. And he was doing wonderful ministry things, and he's doing a great job. He was ministering to Gentiles. Along came these Judaizers, the people that says, well, they, they can be Christian if they're Gentiles, but they have to act like and do all of the stuff that the Jews do. And as a result of that, Peter was pulling away and pulling away. Peter, who was up here, all of a sudden, he had gone down again and had to be corrected. Well, what's, what's my point of all of that? It's a demonstration that Peter was like you and me. He had the answer. He knew what he should be doing with the Gentiles, but he was flip-flopping in how he handled it. And now Paul is confronting him, and Peter has to deal with that. And praise the Lord, we, we know that Peter hung in there because later he writes his two letters that are really significant and meaningful letters in the New Testament. But Peter, like you and me, was human. And Peter, like you and me, made mistakes. And, and Peter failed from time to time and he had successes from time to time. And I have to tell you that there's times when I feel so inadequate in my role and in my responsibilities. And when I'm asked to be up in the front here, I feel like, why me? I, I, I'm not the right person for this. We have Pastor Brian, who's a phenomenal preacher and teacher, and, and, and he does such a great job, and how am I going to follow him? That's what goes through my mind as I'm thinking through these things and as I'm preparing. But then I'm reminded, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit living in me. Any, anything that I do that is worthwhile or, or good for God's uh, praise and adoration is not from me. It's from the Holy Spirit living in me. Will I still have these ups and downs like Peter did? Of course I will. Will you have these ups and downs? Of course you will. Are you being called to come up and preach? Maybe not. But have you been called to something else? Is God calling you to do some sort of ministry, whether it be teaching or, or going out and witnessing? Is it, is it something that, that you feel totally inadequate for? But God has called you. And if God has called you, God will enable you, and God will help you to do whatever it is. And I came across this this week uh, on, on Facebook, and it talks about, I'm trying. And it says, don't expect me to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. But you know what? The more I thought through that, the more I thought, wait a minute. 
It's not about me trying. It's more about me hanging on to Jesus Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through me. It's not me. Just like it wasn't Peter. Peter was an agent of the Lord who blessed a lot of people. Thousands came to know uh, Jesus Christ as Savior because of his finished work upon the cross, because of Peter and his willingness to be open to the Lord's leading. That's what God is calling you and I to do, is to be open to what he would have us to do. So, Jesus knows that we are all imperfect, that we don't have it all together, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in us and allows us to do things for him, not for our glory. It's not about us. It's about him. When we deal with people, we should be about the business of directing them to the Lord Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. I'd like to ask the men to come who are going to be serving us this morning. But as we do that, I would speak for each of them as they come that they would tell you that they don't feel adequate even to do this. But again, this isn't about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that Peter, who had several times failed Jesus, was sitting with him on the night that he was betrayed. Jesus is with them, and he says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So as we partake of these elements, as we partake of the bread, and we, we here practice an open communion, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we, walk, we welcome you to participate. Because as we do this, what we're doing is we're taking the bread and, we, and, and, we're, to, and we're to stop for a moment and just think about what does this bread represent? Well, Jesus told us. The bread represents his body that was broken for us. So when we do this, we, we're to slow down and we're to stop and we're to think, okay, what is that all about? And Jesus is saying, I want you to do this in remembrance of me in other words, as you take this bread, take a moment and reflect upon, upon all of the wonderful, awesome, and amazing things that Jesus Christ has done for you. Don't just take and say, okay, it's first Sunday of the month, so I'm going to take my bread. No, think about it. Think about what Jesus said. Think about what it must have been like for him to be there with his disciples on that night, knowing that in just a little while, He's going to go through this horrendous thing. So I'm going to give you a moment just to reflect on that, to think about that a little bit, and then I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer for the bread. So would you just uh, pray?
Lord God, we're so amazed at your awesome and wonderful grace that though we are yet sinners, you died for us. And this bread that we're about to partake of, Lord Jesus, reminds us that your body was brutally broken and abused. But you did that willingly because of your amazing love for us. So as we partake, Lord, help us to do it with the right attitude. Help us to think about you and to think about what you have done for us. You are an amazing and awesome God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this symbol that helps us to reflect upon your broken body. In Jesus' name, amen.